0: Do you hear that sound? That is the sound of the waves crashing against a bay. But not just any bay. It's a Baywatch because this is a Baywatch podcast. In fact, this is Baywatch Rookie School, a podcast where two men who have never watched Baywatch before. Try and watch Baywatch. I'm Michael Eisen.
1: And I'm Morgan Thrapp.
0: And... Somehow we are at this episode. Oh, yes, we are. Yeah. this episode is called The Credin of the Shallows, which is a great name for not necessarily a great episode.
1: Yeah, it it has its moments. Um, but it's definitely a lot at times. It's better in theory
0: than it is an actual application.
1: Yes. This is very much the, like, cult hit, I would say. Like, it, it feels like a bad movie at a lot of points, but in a, in a fun kind of way. This episode, honestly, is what I thought more of Baywatch was going to be like getting into this.
0: Yes, and this is fun. I, I had fun watching this, but oh, it's yeah. not good. Yes, uh, that gets our rating out of the way ahead of time. <laughs> uh, but this is uh, episode nine, A credit of the shallows, and it was written by William Schwartz and Ernie Wallengren, uh both who have written episodes for us before. Directed by Vern Gillum and originally aired December 1st, 1989. Uh, I did some research on the actors in this episode. Uh, there's nothing really too important. Uh, in this other than uh, one of the guys in this episode, I think it's the guy who plays Greg. No, uh, no. So I, I didn't do my research enough, uh, was <laughs> in Hercules, the TV show for like 22 episodes, which OK, cool. And then two of the characters in this episode went on to be on Melrose Place, which is a very famous soap opera. And then the woman who plays the secretary, I guess, in this episode was also a veteran of three different soap operas. So there's just a lot of soap opera people in this episode. And you can tell because it feels like a soap opera. Oh, boy, can you? <laughs> yes. You're starting to get Morgan like having never watched a soap opera. You now understand every soap opera trope.
1: I fully believe that
0: yeah uh, but there's really not much more to talk about other than just getting into the episodes. So Morgan, take us into it.
1: Sure thing. yeah. we start with a very intense opening, straight into some real spooky music, and someone putting on face makeup. Next, we cut to a boat, and specifically, we cut to what I actually thought was a really good piece of cinematography because we cut to a very similar shot. From the shot of the person holding face makeup and applying it to their face to a shot of someone on a boat holding a CB radio receiver, transmitter, antenna, whatever the the handholdy bit is. And it looks identical to the previous shot. Like, it's a really good match cut. And I was very surprised by it. Um, Good job, Jordan Gillum. Right? But yeah, we're on a boat and Victor, our first victim is playing chess over CB (laughs) radio. (laughs) Um, He's handily winning his game of chess when we hear footsteps upstairs on the deck of the boat and Victor gets stabbed.
0: I think the best part of this scene is the guy he's playing against, whose name is Sumi, tells him, Ah, Victor, you are the true Victor, after he wins. (laughs) (laughs) Which, oh, I i hate puns
1: i cannot stand that <laughs> it's
0: so bad and the guy goes you're the true victor <laughs> uh don't laugh at your own puns oh <laughs> and then the scene just goes on and on and on with sumi going victor 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 a uh, victor for like maybe 30 seconds yeah it's not a great scene but he gets stabbed with a kitchen knife i think
1: yeah yeah it lingers for quite a while the same knife every time maybe i don't know i was not paying attention to what the knife was it is which i guess that sort of makes sense except when victor is discovered later he's still got the knife in him i think yes he does so i guess this killer just had the same knife but a lot of them yes exactly Mm -hmm. it's his it's his calling card much (laughs) like the face paint He has another calling card, but yeah, let's keep going. Next up, we're on a truck with Eddie. He's driving down the beach at night and fun, fun, fun by the Beach Boys is playing diegetically from his radio. Um, Now, I've seen a clip of the remastered version of this episode, this particular scene that you sent me. Would you care to describe the music that the remastered version uses instead of fun, fun, fun?
0: Yeah, it sounds like the Twin Peaks remix of Moonlight Sonata. (laughs) Uh, It's it takes a scene of a guy just minding his own business and then something happens to I've done something wrong and I'm very sad and I'm going mm-hmm. to think about this. And this is a mid-2000s Christopher Nolan film. <laughs> like, it's, it's so different. Oh, and Also, this is because they couldn't get the rights to Fun Fun Fun. And I will bring this up again later. Um, mm-hmm. But So they cut out all other audio because all the audio is on a single track. So they have to cut out everything else and just put on the spooky music. Uh, But it makes it super funny uh, from what happens next, because everything is done with like complete schlocky plan nine from outer space tone.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Next up, our murderer runs out of the darkness in front of the headlights and keeps running. So Eddie gets out of the truck and gets his flashlight and starts looking around for what we know is the murderer. But Eddie does not. Um, And Eddie's, you know, he's waving his nightlight around and searching the darkness for whoever just ran by when the guy pops up behind Eddie and punches him in the face.
0: And then runs away. Yep. And we know because the credits list him as such. But I don't think he's ever called that in the episode. He's called the Night Puncher,
1: which is the best (laughs) name I've ever heard. I was so sad watching this episode that they never once said the phrase night puncher because it's extremely good. He only punches someone once. Yeah, that's the other thing. This is the only punch.
0: Yeah, it's more like he should be the night stabber. But the night puncher is so much better. (laughs) This scene is they clearly didn't have a lot of time to shoot this episode because this scene gets used more than once uh, in this episode they reuse parts of this scene. Uh and god, this is just the lowest budget episode. Oh, it's yeah. it's so B movie.
1: Yeah. There's a, another scene that we'll get to later that keeps getting reused to similarly bad comedic movie effect. Yep. Next we've got Eddie back in the lifeguard HQ, Mitch and Garner are taking care of him and trying to get a description of who punched him. And all Eddie saw was that the guy was big. And Garner is not happy about that. Um, And then so Eddie's got a ice pack on his face. And, you know, Mitch and Garner are worried about him. And he's like, oh, don't worry, this isn't from the punch. I have impacted wisdom teeth. And Mitch says (laughs) one of my favorite lines of the episode, which is, you went out on night shift with a mouthful of bad teeth? I'm
0: so glad you wrote
1: that because I wrote
0: that too. Oh, it's the line of the century. It makes no sense. And he's like, no. you, you have to be off duty until them teeth come out. Like, when has a lifeguard's duty been impacted by your teeth?
1: Yeah. It, I don't understand why they're so concerned about this. Like Okay, sure. Eddie's in pain and he's your friend, and you should be concerned for that reason, not because you can't be a night lifeguard if you have bad teeth. I mean,
0: Jill saw someone die, and they're like, you know
1: what? You can come back. Teeth guy? Uh uh. Nope. (laughs) Uh, Garner and Mitch recommend a dentist to Eddie. In a jokingly terrifying kind of way, where they basically say that uh, he's a former lifeguard with cement blocks for hands. And Mitch describes him as quick and painless. And Garner says, well, he's quick. And Mitch says, yeah, but you should see
0: him on a surf ski.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Uh,
0: Which is we also his name is Caleb, but Mm -hmm. they pronounce him Calb because they could not figure out how to pronounce Caleb. Uh, And it's only Mitch, though. Everyone else calls him Caleb and Mitch clearly cannot pronounce this name. And it makes me wonder what other names David Hasselhoff cannot pronounce. Uh, And I'm really hopeful that's a long running thread in this show.
1: Me too. (laughs) Now that you've mentioned it. Oh, yeah. Now you're going to rewatch and be like, he said, kelp. (laughs) Next up is some more dentistry. Where Gina is trying to convince Eddie to go to the dentist, but he is scared and says another one of my favorite lines of this episode I hate pain. It bums me out. He also says, Doctors,
0: they lie to you and then they sting your eyes out with a hot poker. Yeah. <laughs> when have you gone to a doctor and that was their alternative? <laughs> is
1: this like yeah. the plague? Like, what is, Eddie, what has happened to you? my personal theory is that he got LASIK and doesn't fully understand what that means (laughs)
0: oh that's a fantastic idea but also Eddie couldn't afford LASIK no that's true he was homeless like he couldn't afford LASIK yeah, Unless that's a good point. I was from the convenience store that they robbed in episode mm. three, they got
1: the money for Eddie's LASIK. <laughs> <laughs> they stole one of those convenience store DIY LASIK kits that every yeah. convenience store has. Yeah, it's actually just a hot poker. Uh, <laughs> and then you just stick it in and you're like, I can see. <laughs> the rest of this scene is basically just Craig and Gina talking to Eddie like he's 12. And then finally, after Craig says that he got his wisdom teeth out from the same dentist, Eddie finally says, all right, I'll go to the dentist. And him and Gina are off to the dentist. Not before Gina gives him a slight kiss on the cheek. And then it hurts mm-hmm. him somehow
0: more than talking does. Yep. But keep that in mind. remember this.
1: <laughs> Oh, yes. There will be another slight kiss on the cheek later that will be badly misread. More than that. Next, we've got ourselves a little press conference. Senator Hastings and Captain Thorpe are given a press conference about a new hotel that's opening. And the press conference itself is kind of nothing, but it does have another great line, which is Craig saying, Look at that suit. That hair. How did he get elected? And Mitch says, That suit. That hair. And I don't know. It's not a great line, but it did make me laugh. This it, is a very odd scene. Um, yes, especially because at one point
0: the senator and Captain Thorpe are done with the press conference, and they they come up to Craig, and you find out Craig actually campaigned for the opposition, who mm-hmm. I guess dropped out of politics and now runs a dry cleaners. And the senator is a huge dick. He acknowledges this. And points out that the opponent is now cleaning clothes. This just starts the chain of Craig absolutely hating him. But more importantly, it also starts this weird new development of character for Mitch as liberal devil's advocate, uh, which is very odd. Because he keeps on pointing out how intense Craig's hate is all the time as it's halfway between uh, I'm your good friend and I'm just ragging on you to college professor in a way, but is still playing devil's advocate. And it doesn't make sense for his character. It's very odd.
1: Yeah, Mitch very much feels like he was written this way, this episode, because they needed a foil for Craig and there wasn't anyone else handy. Right. Uh, And it's still
0: weird. Like I think about we talked about this in... Episode one of this podcast, how Craig is a very odd protagonist. Uh, He just doesn't feel like he should be a protagonist. And this is another episode where I struggle to think why Craig is the protagonist and not Mitch.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree. It feels like they made him the protagonist of this episode because, oh, he's a lawyer. And so he should know things about politics. And so he's the protagonist this episode. But it's I don't know. Yeah, I don't think it's Craig's best performance here. No, it's not. Next, we get to start possibly, uh, would you say the worst plot line we've seen so far in this show? Fred. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. It's a tie between Fred and Greg, I think.
0: Oh, just white people names all the time. Yeah, yeah. no, this yeah. is pretty bad. Yeah, I mean, we're obviously going to start getting into it, but I, I fucking hate this.
1: Yeah, it's... It's skeezy and gets skeezier. Um, Yeah, so Shawnee is helping this guy who got his knee scraped. Uh, This guy, we will later learn his name is Greg. I'm going to call him Greg because we don't learn that until like five minutes from the end. And it's annoying to just keep saying that guy. Um, But basically his whole bit is that he keeps getting hurt so that he can hit on Shawnee. And Shawnee's not into it. Partially because at least in the first like quarter of this episode, I definitely thought this guy was like 14. Like he looks really young and not that Shawnee is particularly old. Like she's like what, 20, but he looks like noticeably younger than her. It's also
0: interesting because we just had an episode where she expresses her interest in Eddie. Uh, and so it brings up an important point where she, so the content of this line is the important part. Not the way in which it's delivered, which is the most Tommy Wiseau way possible. <laughs> she says, So what he has a crush. When I was his age, I had a lot of crushes. I still do. Uh, and Jill, of course, says, It's not a crush, it's raging out of control hormones. Mm-hmm. But it establishes, I think, that, oh yeah, she's still interested in Eddie. Uh, But she doesn't check on him at all in this episode, even though he got punched by the sorry, the
1: night butcher and
0: (laughs) uh, then had to get his wisdom teeth taken out and everything else that happens. She doesn't check on him at all.
1: Nope. She's too busy dealing with with gregarious Greg. Oh, God, we there's a little bit more where, yeah, like you said, Jill's trying to get Shawnee to tell Greg, like, listen, I'm not interested. Fuck off. But Shawnee's not into it, at least at first. Uh, next up, we have ooh, just a real, <laughs> really great scene. Oh, but this is the Emmy right here. Oh, boy, is it? Ooh. Um, so Eddie comes home from the dentist just high as shit and singing some song that I didn't bother looking up about uh, a tea bird and some teenage girl or something. Here's,
0: here's the thing mm-hmm. I, so I for this watched some of the version Morgan is watching because of all the weird inconsistencies between in my version that don't make sense in my version it makes no sense because he just comes in and says why did she do that and you have no context if you watch Morgan's version what's happening is he's talking about the lyrics To fun, fun, fun.
1: Oh, is that what he's singing? I legitimately did not realize that. And so it makes more sense because they had to cut the
0: scene out because they don't have the rights. So Ah, it's the part that makes no sense of why did she do that? I want a T-Bird. Basically that.
1: Yeah. Gina finally gets him into bed and he's very sad that he doesn't have a car and tries to engage in some uh, very deep lyrical analysis of the song Fun, Fun, Fun with Gina. Um, and Gina keeps offering to make him soup and puts an ice pack on his face. And as she's leaning in to put the ice pack on his face, he hallucinates that she's dressed up like she's in an 80s music video and starts making out with him. Um, and they are it's a very weird hallucination. And it happens, what, four times in this 20 second scene? But it does have some absolutely amazing atmospheric music. It does have some amazing music. It is the see
0: this comes out of left field. If you aren't watch, if you aren't reading the episode oh, yeah. description. Um, now, mind you, while they're making out, you can still talk. You can still hear her talking about how good she is at making soup. <laughs> like that's the best part is she's just making out with him and she's just like I'll make some good soup it will just make your <laughs> cheeks flush <laughs> right up that's how good I am at making soup uh, it's so totally weird and then he is he's into the making out and then after they're done he's like clearly very shocked but also makes some like orgasm noises and yeah it's
1: oh <sighs> Yeah, it is creepy. uncomfortable. It is M-hm. Now we get a cold shower of a next scene um, to cool us off from all that hot, hot content from the previous scene. Hot, hot, hot. Or sorry, fun, fun, fun. <laughs> uh, Mr. Anderson and Candace. Oh, her name is Candace? He says it once at the very beginning of this scene. Oh, I didn't even catch that. Nope. They refer to her as the secretary for the rest of the episode. Yep. Um, But yeah, the two of them are investigating this new hotel that's almost done being built, the same hotel from Captain Thorpe and Senator Hastings press conference earlier. And it turns out the hotel is not being built well. So Mr. Anderson keeps ragging on the people who built it and then says the men who built this should be deported because he is just a dick. He's evil. Oh, yeah.
0: Do you want to know who else is evil? Morgan, ask me, ask me, ask me who else is evil.
1: Who who else is evil, Michael? The Night Buncher! Yeah! <laughs> That's right. The night puncher shows back up and punches Mr. Anderson in the back with a knife.
0: Yep. And then he falls down some stairs and then they reuse the same running away scene. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now, this is funny. They actually cut a like a few seconds from the running away scene in your version. And it's longer in mine each time. They show more of him running. And it gives me really, really strong Star Fox 64 Easy Route Venom vibes where you go through Easy Route Venom, which is the right side of Venom in Star Fox 64, and you fight this um, this like ancient golem that's like running away. And it's just like, he seems like he doesn't want us to hurt him, but also he's trying to hurt us. And it's just <laughs> like the weirdest run. And they keep on showing it. And I, they have like, Five scenes of the Night Puncher and really they are trying to burn through this story.
1: (laughs) Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I got to say of all of the scenes in this episode, I don't think there's actually any where I feel like they left anything on the table and we need the extended cut. But the Night Puncher running away?
0: Definitely not one of them. I mean, I want more Night Puncher. I want him to become a yes. main a main cast character. Yes. Just where it's like they cut to him. Like, you know, you have the like the brightly lit beach Baywatch intro. And then it's just like one dark corner. <laughs> it's just a Night Puncher holding up his fist corner.
1: I want to see the Night Puncher spinoff series. You know, we should
0: totally make Night Puncher merch, but not. No, actually, I take that back. It's very racist. Never mind, because he does uh, blackface. I how did it's, I uh, cut that? It's Absolutely not really cut that. blackface.
1: Uh, if I, uh, I mean, if anything, it's more like lucha libre, like skeleton mask kind of thing. It, it, I do not want him associated with my lucha
0: libre. But <laughs> I a a luchador named the night puncher. Uh, And I'm going to go on Twitter and try and make that happen. Uh, Let's see if that happens. Uh, Yeah. But cut to the dead guy. We now find out he died. Uh, Mm -hmm. And they're showing this on the TV. And, of course, as we've mentioned before, this show has no idea what subtlety is. My
1: God, I hated this scene so
0: much. It
1: made me so angry.
0: So they they cut to Gina, who's wearing a nightgown, and we wouldn't think much of it normally if it weren't for all the sex dream stuff right before. So now mm-hmm. it's a sexy nightgown. And oh, yeah, uh, it's Morgan. Please, please tell me what happens.
1: Oh, boy. So, yeah, Gina's Gina's in bed uh watching the press coverage of the murder from the night previous. And it was unclear to me whether she thought the secretary did it or Craig thought the secretary did it. I think but it she
0: thought the secretary did it, I think. Y- yeah, it's it's, it's, it's
1: unclear because then Craig kind of advocates for it being the secretary. But but that part doesn't actually matter um, because they have just the most overwritten, poorly acted scene about how clearly this murder must have happened because the. Secretary was having an affair with Mr. Anderson. Eddie comes out of his room just in time to hear Craig and Gina argue without the context of the murder about how affairs will end a relationship and can you believe that anyone would cheat? And then... If you do, you'll end up with a broken face like Eddie's face. Yeah. Yeah. It's... Oh, it's so bad. Eddie... Is getting coffee and spills it on his foot. So Gina comes out and offers to put butter on his foot. That's I was so confused. What Jay, he he
0: resp- Craig responds by saying ice is better, and I'm like, duh, like it's yeah, ice
1: as opposed to butter. Yeah, I I really want to talk about Eddie's hot buttered foot <laughs> because. <laughs> I don't like it. And I don't understand why Gina is so intent on buttering up his foot. <laughs> I don't uh...
0: Like, I don't get the point. Was it supposed to be, oh, the butter, we freeze the butter and we'll put that in a towel because she pulls out a towel and put some ice in it. So were you going to put butter in there or were you just going to actually butter up his foot? Like
1: it's I need more context. I do really wish that she had buttered his foot just so we could have gotten the mixture of him hallucinating about them making out the night previous mixed with shots of her buttering his foot. (laughs) (laughs) I think that would be so stupid. Um.
0: (laughs) But yeah, so even though she doesn't butter his foot, yeah, he still gets very awkward and tries to run back to his room. And Gina is make sure that he took his pain pills And that's, Mm -hmm. again, not subtle because we're realizing, oh, no, that's why he's in a multi-day, like, weird high fugue state is because he keeps taking his pain pills and he has a very low tolerance. So he has more dreams, but really just the same dream over and over and over.
1: Before we leave this scene, I do want to propose one other theory for why she's buttering his foot, which is that he spilled coffee on his foot and she's just an early inventor of bulletproof coffee. I was just taking a sip of water, and I had to make sure I didn't spit
0: it out at my mic. Ah. This episode, again, this episode is fun. It's fun, fun, yeah. fun, but it's not good. <laughs>
1: no, it's not. Next up, we've got ourselves a little press conference about the murder, and Garner Michinetti are talking about the murder, and then the scene's over. Um, Uh, no no there's an important part Uh, oh yeah go ahead which is
0: garner asks uh or mitch wonders is this was all the same guy who punched eddie and garner asks that this is because uh both eddie and the secretary described the guy as ugly and garner with the burn of the century tells mitch and craig yeah that could
1: be either one of you guys yeah they do they do keep referring to this guy as ugly throughout the entire thing and like he just looks like a dude with skeleton face paint on. Yeah. It's more dead than ugly. I mean, he just looks like a kid who went to the carnival. Like he's the, uh, he's the, I like turtles guy grown up. Yeah, no. (laughs) Yeah. There's actually
0: a wrestler version of that. His name is Darby Allen. Uh, and he, (laughs) uh, has this, like, he's a skater punk. He dresses himself up in, in, you know, like, Classic like emo kid sort of stuff and then paint uh, paints his face. But he is such a fucking daredevil where he'll just be like, yeah, I'll just fall in a car for no reason. Or he's like, (laughs) hmm, what should I do? Okay, so I'm going to lay a guy out uh, on top of a ladder and then I'm going to jump off another ladder with a skateboard. And then the guy's going to move. So all of my weight falls onto the skateboard now hitting the ladder and it's going to break my feet. Okay, I'll just start walking again tomorrow. All right. Yeah, he's crazy. Also, he's from Seattle. So, good job, Seattle. <laughs> uh, our next scene is another Greg scene, but it sets up another scene. So, Shawnee is at the tower, her tower, opening it up, and Greg appears and he was hiding there. I don't know why, and he scares her. And then yeah. we have I, I want you to describe your version first before I describe my version.
1: Yeah, so there's, uh, there's a whole montage here of him trying increasingly dumb and desperate moves to get Shawnee's attention and her giving the most exaggerated eye rolls and sighs and shrugs all while She's Got the Look plays. Um, we get this whole montage starting from the very beginning of this scene where we get a very very tight shot of Shawnee's ass as she walks up the stairs to her tower. Um, Ooh, this scene is a lot. Um, But yeah, we keep getting shots that are just like slow-mo shots of her jiggling on the beach. And then Greg doing things like showing up with a fake limp and then starting to juggle. Because if there's one thing women love, it's fake limps and juggling. Um, And it, it doesn't work. Very surprisingly. But the slow-mo scenes
0: of her, I guess, in quotes, jiggling um, is iconic because it's the first time Baywatch does this. And mm-hmm. Baywatch becomes famous for this. So this scene is immortalized. I actually had seen this scene somewhere. Like, I remember seeing it when I was younger, probably from like some like clip show. Maybe like the soup put it up on some, or something, you know, like as a joke. But I've seen this scene before, at least her walking out of the water. Uh, so, oh, okay, yeah, this is this is a pretty iconic scene. Uh, yeah, at least
1: the version you have is. <laughs> um, Before we talk about the alternate version real quick, I want to just agree with you that this scene is also in part why this episode is very much what I assumed Baywatch was going to be like when we started watching it. Yeah, and it's going to be more of that. Oh, I believe it. Um, but yeah, I would like to hear about whatever wild shit the remaster did for this scene.
0: You because we haven't had one of these in a while. An original song. Uh, Ooh. I've also now figured out that all of these songs actually have names. And this song is called Showstopper. And oh. it is by Randy Soylan and Steve Bertrand. And we've heard some songs from Steve Bertrand before. Uh, again you can find all these songs on com. um so i don't actually hate this song um in terms of the tune but the lyrics are very bad and here are your lyrics too too ra too 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 she's my obsession and i'm going to make her care crave her attention then she kills me with that stare she's a showstopper showstopper chart topper chart topper i love her and it feels so good she's a show stopper show stopper mouth dropper mouth dropper cool. loves her and it feels so good it feels so good ra tutu-tutu. <laughs> too optimistic and i'm never giving up and never giving up i know my persistence Will someday be enough. Someday be enough. She's a showstopper. Showstopper. Chart topper. Chart topper. I love her, and it feels so good. She's a showstopper. Showstopper. So yeah, these lyrics suck.
1: Yeah. Wow. I thought she's got the look was a little on the nose and obvious, but uh, this is worse. No. This and again, the song itself
0: is catchy. But it, once you read into the lyrics at all, you're like, this is the wrong
1: vibe. Yeah. I mean, I'm not sure She's Got the Look was the right vibe either, if we're being honest here. Oh, no, this scene was not the right vibe. No, this whole plot line was not the right vibe. This whole episode is kind of not the right vibe. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> uh, what's uh, what happens next, Morgan. Next, uh, Mary, who I think is the wife of Victor from earlier, maybe. Yes. I had a hard time following all of this. OK. Yeah, she's the widow. Gotcha. She is having dinner with Senator Hastings. And basically, the two of them talk about how Victor got murdered, even though his body hasn't been found yet. Right. Um, and they think the murder is after them, too.
0: Yep, but then the Senator tells Victor's grieving widow that he thinks Vic took his money and left. Mm-hmm. Senator Hastings is a great guy.
1: Oh yeah. Um next we've got a little scene.
0: I want to describe this scene, because I love this scene. Yeah, oh be my guest. Mitch has a meeting with all the lifeguards that night and tells them that due to Victor's murder, Captain Thorpe wants their twenty-four hour shift doubled. So forty-eight hours, no. Um <laughs> so counting Mitch, we can see that there are about 23 people here in this area. So that means that our lifeguard our baywatch patrol is 23 24 people. Um which is actually a lot of people um and it considering how many towers there are and there's two to each tower. Yeah, that's a lot. That's like you know, 12 towers of people. Um but more importantly, Everyone's favorite lifeguard, Mikey Newman. Numi yep. gets some lines and Numi says, we need weapons. And Mitch goes, uh, what? <laughs> and and Newmi goes, yeah, we're not safe. We should get weapons. And Mitch goes, you're not hops as Mitch, the guy who I don't know, assassins created his way. Up a, yeah. like, up a building, up a warehouse and like has tackled multiple people into the water, jumped off an airplane and fought a guy with a gun and punched him out. Yeah, you're not cops. You don't need mm-hmm. weapons. Crazy, crazy uh, assertion by Mitch.
1: Yeah, this feels like a, yet another extension of the writers possibly never having watched the show before. And coming on to write this episode and just being like, eh, Mitch needs to be the foil for this episode. So we're just going to give him whatever dialogue. Because
0: this episode was written by our guy, William Schwartz, who wrote. Yeah. You know, he wrote, co-wrote our uh, multiple episodes. We also co-wrote our last episode, our domestic violence episode. He's oh. seen Mitch before him and him and Jill Donner wrote Mm -hmm. co-wrote the last episode so yeah i mean given how television shows are written you know they were told here's our season and you know write these episodes uh so like he hasn't seen it filmed probably but
1: he probably also has no memory for how this character works yeah i would not be surprised to learn that this was one of the first episodes written yeah because they don't always write you know, sequentially as things are like filmed and uh, released. So, yeah, I would not be surprised to learn this was like episode two that was written. It does feel like it's I
0: mean, granted, we haven't seen the rest of the season, but it does feel very out of place. Sure.
1: Next up, we've got some real spooky music while Craig and Eddie drive down the beach. Interspersed are shots of Mary, who is out walking her dog looking just very cheerful and skipping along at night with her dog in a very nice-looking sweater. Um, I want the sweater. It looks very cozy. Agreed. Uh, Craig is continuing his role in this episode of just reciting the plot and whatever the plot needs him to say by giving a very plot-appropriate monologue to Eddie about how Craig recently found out about a couple that broke up because of an affair that the wife had.
0: Sometimes, you know, happy couples you just don't know what's going on behind the scenes. This is another scene that made me angry. But then Morgan, Morgan, Morgan. Oh yeah. Do you know what
1: happens? Who who shows up now, Michael? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Mary's dog runs off and she runs after the dog. And the night puncher shows up and once again punches her in the back with a knife. And then runs away. <laughs> yep. Uh, so during this sequence, we also get another like two shots of Eddie having flashbacks to the hallucination that he had with Gina. And oh boy, does this whole scene just feel weird? I mean, it already was weird. Yeah. But just the the you know tension of here's Craig delivering this terribly written monologue that is just like plot, just like straight up and interspersed with Mary getting stabbed and Eddie getting horny. It's just it's a lot. Oh, I'm sorry. I think you mean <laughs> Eddie getting wet. Uh, oh, oh. No, I didn't mean that. (laughs) Ah! I refuse to mean that. This is a reference (laughs) to the term that
0: Sid uses to mean once you're getting out into the water when you're a lifeguard, it means you're getting wet.
1: Or that's Mm -hmm. what they call it. Well, I mean, as we learn at the very end of this episode, the two of them just can't get enough of that wet stuff. It's it's very cursed imagery. (laughs) It's bad. It's all real bad. (laughs) Yes. Then Eddie and
0: Craig come home. And Gina yep. asks about the murder. And apparently Eddie and Craig were on the news. They were being interviewed about you know, what happened. Uh, and Gina continues to be this mother figure to Eddie and tells him, you look great on the news in the way that your mom tells you're, you you're handsome when you're like 12 mm-hmm. and gives him another kiss on the cheek. Uh, and God, they are.
1: They have no idea what settles he is. Oh, my God. She kisses Eddie on the cheek and he uh, reacts to it like they just made out again. Um, And then the scene's over. It's also very
0: weird because so Eddie in this is probably around 20. Like I would say Eddie is like 20 and Gina could not be older than like 32, 33. I would. Yeah. Yeah. I would say late 20s, early 30s. Maybe. Yeah. I mean. Craig is clearly in his 50s, uh, but Gina <laughs> is like in her maybe late 20s. Uh, and so it's very weird for her to be taking on this mother role. Like, I mean, she's clearly very protective, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's just that they only do it now.
1: Right. Yeah. It's not like we've had episodes and episodes of setup of Gina being motherly towards Eddie. Like, the closest we've gotten to that is when she insists that he be able to stay in their closet.
0: Oh, no, they they also have her like asking him to like go get groceries and stuff. And they clearly include him as, you know, part of the family.
1: But that doesn't it doesn't feel motherly to me in the same way the like, oh, just let him stay here kind of thing does. I guess so. But the other thing I wanted to mention is unless I'm Losing my mind, which I mean, given just everything and the fact that this episode um, is entirely possible. But does the location of Eddie's room in their apartment keep moving? Because I swear to God, every episode it's in a different place. Yes.
0: I thought when he first bought it, it was across the street.
1: It does seem like that, or at least across the hallway.
0: He looked through a window and he's like, I want that. And he's like, oh, yeah, that's my like my storage. And he'll take that. Then mm-hmm. it's inside their house. Now it's just like, yeah, it's attached to the kitchen. This is it's in the same location. I think it was when uh, we had the episode where the girl was pretending she was someone else, you know? Uh, yeah, I think it's in the same spot there, but it, it's not in the same episode. It was last one. When he decided to go speed bag for a while. Mm hmm. <laughs> that's that's what I'm calling it.
1: Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, their house is a labyrinth that is constantly shifting. Um, I make this reference because I've been playing a lot of Hades and everything is now Greek mythology
0: to me. Yep, exactly. Uh, <laughs> I mean, what, is, what is Craig if not Pan, the goat god? <laughs> <laughs> Eddie is really just Aries. I mean
1: Yeah. Yeah, I would say so.
0: Yeah. Of course, Mitch is Dionysus. Or he's Poseidon. No, he's fucking Poseidon. Yeah, it. He's, of course
1: he's he's Poseidon.
0: He's Poseidon. He's a he's a surfer, bro.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> how could I how could I have been mistaken? Anyways. Yeah. Um unless I'm wrong Uh, clearly. The next scene is Eddie trying to ask Mitch for advice. Am I right? Oh, it sure is. Yeah, so Eddie tries to ask Mitch for advice, and few words in, Captain Thorpe appears, and then Thorpe goes, oh no, go on. And Eddie makes the <laughs> worst case for it not being about himself when he says, Oh, my God, my friend's, friend's wife is also a friend to my friend. So, I mean, you know, the friend of a friend husband. Uh, Do you get what I mean?
1: And they say, I have no clue. And they get up and walk away. <laughs> um, Right after the two of them walk away, Eddie has himself another boner. I mean, flashback to mm-hmm. him and Gina making out. I believe we call that a night puncher. (laughs) Yes, we do. Oh, boy. Um, Similar amount of white stuff painting things. No, nope. we're not leaving that in. Um, (laughs) (laughs) We're not. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But just as the flashback ends, uh, Craig walks in. And notices that Eddie is being super weird, and asks if Eddie wants to talk about it, and Eddie goes, ha, ha, no and then Craig says, "All right, fine, whatever. um, you want to take Gina to the opening of the new hotel, and Eddie is confused and excited, uh which I think might just be a holdover. It's not even asked like that he says that gina really has her heart
0: set on going to this hotel opening and craig says and i have my heart set on you taking her because Mm -hmm. she wants to dance uh so he wants eddie to dance with her because he's busy one who goes who gets excited for a hotel opening and two who asks someone else to go at like to an opening
1: with their wife because they want to dance it's very odd. You know, no, that that part didn't bother me too much. Like, as we see later, this hotel opening is like a fancy party or whatever, which which I agree is a little weird. But the whole- a little
0: I mean, it's not like super odd because it's just like, oh, well, I trust because she knows Eddie. She trusts Eddie. Exactly. So it's not as weird. But if it were anything other than that, if it were just like, yeah, I'm going to ask Sid <laughs> to go go with my wife, it'd be like, why, though? Yeah, like like it it only works because it's Eddie. But otherwise, why would you ask someone to do that?
1: I will say this whole scene does have very strong and I've never been on one of these. But this is what I imagine that it's like very strong uh, swingers cruise vibes where Craig (laughs) kind of feels like he's trying to get Eddie to sleep with Gina. Because the last line of this scene is Craig kind of like nudging Eddie and going she's good right and yep it's very weird like it's only weird because we have the context of Eddie having these uh night punches about Gina um but it yeah it's weird and i don't like this plot line no i don't i i don't like it either um next up we've got a continuation of this plot line which is Eddie on the boardwalk in an open Hawaiian shirt. Um, dude is ripped. Yes. Um, I don't think we've seen him shirtless before, but wow. wow we've seen him shredded. shirtless all the time. He's a lifeguard. That's true, but I feel like I've never noticed it before. Um, yes. But yeah, he's he's looking good, and he's checking out women randomly, and it's very uncomfortable, especially because all of them kind of look like Gina, which, I mean, is intentional. Like, that's yes. the whole point of this scene. Um, because underneath it is a song called Power of Suggestion by Steve Stevens, um, which talk about white people names. Um. <laughs> I mean, I may have an even crazier
0: song, but yes. Ooh. So, um, But
1: yeah, the the mm-hmm. important thing about this song is that seemingly the one lyric is just, the power of suggestion repeated over and over and over again. While Eddie like weirdly stands on the outside of a group of friends and stares at women and it's, Ooh, it's awkward, but yes, please tell me about the song in the remastered version because I can only imagine that it is delightfully terrible. Yes.
0: This song is called a spell on me and it is by Larry Antonino. Um, And here are your lyrics. Someone put a spell on me. I just can't believe. Nothing's what it seems to be. You put a spell on me. I think I'm in a trance. And there is no chance to make it to the end. You're everywhere I turn. I can't seem to get you out of my head. Now things are getting strange. My mind can't seem to rearrange. The thoughts inside my brain are making me so crazy. Someone put a spell on me. I just can't believe nothing's what it seems to be. You put a spell on me, a fever coming over me because you put a spell on me. Nothing's what it seems to be. Well, yeah, it's uh, it's not great. Also, in this scene, it's really weird because um, like this is like the first set of footage we get where Gina is doing something other than like making out with him you know, in his dream sequences. Right. Uh, And it Mm -hmm. always cuts to like the people who you say they look like him, but sometimes it's like there's Gina and then he like comes around a corner and it's just like a random blonde woman. And Gina is a brunette. uh, And women are clearly like 10, maybe 10 years younger than her. Like they don't always look like her. And some are like clearly just random normal people, like not like actors. Uh, that and they just like pulled somebody from the beach and were like, "You're gonna be this this person in the scene," uh, and they kind of stand out because they're not poised. It's very very odd. It's also where we get uh, at least in the remaster version they edit um, the opening credits. So in the remastered version, the the scene that they have for Gina when they show like her actor's name is the scene of her laying on the beach here. And that made it even weirder. And I'm just like, oh, you're pulling from that scene? Uh, Yeah. That's kind of... That's uncomfortable. It's very uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, This whole scene is very, very odd. Uh, Especially, there's one part, it's where she's sitting on the beach uh, and she's like reading a book and she has this black hat on, she's in a bikini, and Eddie walks up and she smiles and then uh, it turns into this girl who's like a decade younger. And Eddie goes uh, and like he tilts his head up and goes uh, and then just like walks away. And like he's clearly going uh, to her, which is yeah. so mean. Holy shit.
1: Yeah. Like What a dick bag. Yeah, it turns out um, possibly none of the plots in this episode are good and have good people in them.
0: I mean, the only in quotes, good person in this episode is Gina. But even then, uh, yeah. yeah,
1: I would like to make an argument for another good person in this particular episode. And it's yes. someone who we haven't seen yet this episode yes. but we're about to see. I think I know you going to say Craig is uh, he's driving around and comes up on the country club and sees Trevor eating breakfast and you know, starts chatting with Trevor and Trevor's like, hey, come on, beach is slow. Come drink my orange juice. Yeah, they're um, like on good terms, which is great. Yeah. And so I would like to posit that for once, Trevor is actually a good character because he shares his breakfast with Craig. <laughs> um the two of them sit around and talk about the murder for a little bit. And the relevant piece of information here is that Trevor says that he saw mary and senator hastings together at the club the night before
0: yeah and that maybe senator hastings is
1: Ah.
0: (laughs) it's a throwaway scene because never trevor never comes back in this episode
1: nope next up jill shows up to shawnee's tower they talk briefly about how dead the beach is and jill says she's going to work out and this is just setting up this is very important Jill
0: is the only person who ever gets to do this. And I think this may be the only time we've seen this so far. She's not wearing red. Oh, yeah. She's wearing blue, which is very odd because she comes back in the next scene and she's wearing red again.
1: Oh, (laughs) yeah. It's very odd. I noticed that.
0: I feel like they maybe ran out of outfits for her or something. (laughs) It's, It's just like blue isn't the lifeguard color. It's red.
1: Yeah, blue blends into the water too much. And then how are you supposed to find people? I mean, honestly, I mean, yeah, kind of. (laughs) Like, yeah, Um, actually. Yeah, right. Everyone knows that when you're saving someone, it's important that you be seen. I mean, I guess actually I say that sarcastically, but it kind of is so that the person you're saving is able to see you. Uh, Yeah, Morgan, maybe we're better lifeguards than we thought.
0: (laughs) This show is teaching us.
1: Yeah, yeah. By the end of this series, the two of us are going to be lifeguards. I fucking hope not. God, same. I hate (laughs) swimming. I have no desire to be a lifeguard. I have no desire either. Um, But yeah, it basically,
0: uh, you know, this this scene is short because then it cuts to Craig trying to offer evidence to Garner about what Trevor told him. And then Craig is so Garner is upset at Craig uh, that he's trying to infringe on his job. And Mitch kind of comes in and again, plays devil's advocate. Uh, It's again, signs that this is an early written episode because Mitch is just being like this, like no action dork. I don't know. And Craig is like the main star. It's very weird.
1: Yeah, this this scene in a better show would be Craig doing um one of those red yarn boards with photos and thumbtacks and shit. Right. Um, Happy Silva. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Who who is the night puncher? <laughs> <laughs> I'm still so mad that no one in this episode says the words Night Puncher. I know, right? It's It's just such a a missed opportunity. uh, uh, Look, they just weren't ready in 1989. Yeah. Everyone knows, like, you just couldn't put those two words next to each other until at least 93.
0: Or at least until, uh, you know, when It's Always Sunny did Nightman.
1: Yeah. In a in a weird um, primer esque twist of fate. Uh, the Nightman was actually the inspiration for the Night Puncher. Yes, exactly. Um, mm-hmm. you see, he is the Nightman, and uh, Craig is Dayman.
0: Ah, Fighter <laughs> of Nightman, Master of Karate.
1: I can't believe I'm blanking on the next line. I've seen that episode so many I mean,
0: times. It's Fighter of the Nightman, ah, Master of Karate in something and friendship for everyone. It's something. Yes.
1: M- wait. Master what? of Karate and friendship for everyone. Dayman. <laughs> No, is it that Wait, 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 wait. It definitely is.
0: Oh wait, no, but wait. The lyric is, I, I know I have to. I just have to make sure it's right. It's dayman fighter of the nightman, champion of the sun. Oh duh! Master karate and friendship for everyone.
1: Dayman. <laughs> ah. <laughs> um, the champion of the sun part that really got us. Yeah. That's really the important part of this episode. Of sun, you know what happens next. In the sunlight,
0: we find another body.
1: We sure do. Jill is out swimming. I actually want to talk about this real quick, because the previous scene definitely happened at night, and this is supposed to be a continuation of Jill and Shawnee, which happened during the day. So I don't know if this is the same day or a later day. Ah! The timeline... <laughs> The timeline doesn't make sense. <laughs> when you yeah, the chill, chill of the sun, it does not matter. That's true. It's another uh, it's another primer reference. Yeah. Really, this episode was just too far ahead of its time. I mean, primer, we, there should be. I think primer should not
0: exist. I do not like that movie. <laughs> so I mean, whatever. I saw that movie in theaters. I saw it uh many, many years ago, and my favorite part about it was the um the theater I saw it at it was called the Varsity, and they were going to be showing Dr Strangelove uh in like a few weeks, and the Dr Strangelove trailer was the best part of of primer <laughs> uh, i for and also because at the varsity, the seats they aren't a full back, so they they cut, they cut out the part right near your butt. So then it was like going into my back and I was falling through it, just like how those characters are falling into an endless loop of plot (laughs) that they can't get out of Uh, people who actually care about primer and can follow the plot will like shit on me for it. But also go fuck yourself.
1: I kind of like that movie. Go Um, fuck yourself. <laughs> there we go, easy. I don't
0: have to acknowledge any criticisms as long as I say "fuck yourself." That's how it works. That's how literature works.
1: Yeah, I think that's really the uh, the philosophy for twenty twenty.
0: Yeah, kind of is.
1: Yeah, I didn't mean to bring it down, but uh, much like finding a murder victim when you're out swimming, I definitely have. Yeah,
0: and um. So guess, guess who this <laughs> person is? It's Victor. They find Victor's body. Mm-hmm. and craig yep. is trying to piece everything together acting like a policeman which they are mm-hmm. which he isn't because he doesn't have a weapon as we've mentioned before
1: mm-hmm.
0: but then we cut to a different jill scene and now jill is wearing red again mm-hmm. so it's supposed to
1: be the next day i guess maybe uh, i'm not yeah. really clear Um, this is, this is the continuation and finale, thank God, of the Greg plotline. Yeah. Jill comes up to Shawnee's tower and tells Shawnee that she saw Greg practicing golf on the beach and tried to tell him to knock it off, but he wouldn't. So Shawnee's like, ah, it's not an issue. And then a golf ball almost hits the two of them. Um, and so Shawnee goes to tell Greg hey, cut it out, and he thinks that she's flirting with him, and then he finally gets it in the most, like, awkward way possible, um, and then says, listen, can I just have our first and last kiss, and then I'll leave you alone forever? And, uh, folks, I am disappointed to report that she does. And then Mr. Rogers' music place. Oh, it's so... It's so frustrating and it only gets more
0: so. Well, she also mentions that she like does like him, which is very weird because she's shown yeah. no evidence of actually liking him.
1: Yeah, she also she flips back and forth throughout this episode about whether or not she can stand the guy. Like right. there's once or twice where she's like actually fuck this guy, but then actually maybe he's cute and I like him. Um but yeah, so after uh after she kisses him to get him to go away, um, I don't blame Shawnee for this. The character. I blame the shitty ass writers for this, because this is this does not hold true to the
0: Shawnee that has been here for the eight previous episodes,
1: exactly. Yeah. I think this is yet more evidence that this was a very early written episode, right. I like i
0: I think after Mitch, Shawnee is my favorite character. Uh, And so Shawnee, I and because of that, I paid more attention to the way she's written and she has not written this badly, even though she's written badly in one or two episodes. She's never written this badly. And yeah, I don't like it.
1: Yeah. Um, But yeah, just when you think the scene can't get worse. Oh, boy, it does Uh, because she walks away. And Greg turns to his friends and it turns out that this whole thing was because he had a bet with his friends to see if he could kiss Shawnee. Um, And again, this scene shouldn't get worse, but oh boy, does it ever. Because they start to settle up and Jill walks by and the camera pans following her and uh, the friends point to Gina and go, double or nothing. And Greg goes, yeah i got it and i hate it all right did i say shawnee walks by i meant jill i think you said gina walks by <laughs> i may have yeah. i was reading my next note to prepare for reading the next scene and the first word of that is gina yeah. uh but yeah it's it's jill who walks by not and gina. luckily they never show us him trying yeah. to do it but i wanted oh, to because i wanted
0: to see i wanted to see him like go up touch Jill on the shoulder and her put him in uh, throw him into a judo Yiranagi uh, and just like (laughs) throw him to the ground and break his back. I was really hoping for that because Jill's that kind of badass who definitely knows judo. Uh, But Mm -hmm. no, they don't.
1: Yeah. Instead, we just get uh, shitty dudes being rewarded for their shitty behavior. Yay. Which Eddie isn't dressed for the event. (laughs) No, he's not. Gina is, though. He's in a ratty T-shirt and Gina is almost dressed, but needs help buttoning up the rest of her dress. And Eddie's real awkward about it. Yep. Um, yep. He's
0: trying to night punch up those buttons, but he just can't.
1: Oh. <laughs> sure can't.
0: Yeah. Now, um, the next scene after this, mm-hmm. I, I needed subtitles for this scene uh, because I tried watching it, uh, you know, on the totally legal source that you watch. Mm -hmm. Uh, And uh, I was like, I struggle to follow along with the plot thread here, but it doesn't actually matter at all. No, it doesn't. It is. What clearly happened here is that they realized they had written so much for everything else that they forgot to wrap up the plot to Mm -hmm. their main thread. So what they do is they introduce random side characters who you will never see, specifically like a woman who died, whatever. um, Introduce this whole thing so that the end of the episode makes some sense. But it's the laziest writing I've seen in a long time. It
1: also doesn't make the end of the episode make sense. (laughs) Like, it doesn't even succeed in that. It does to a slight degree.
0: Yeah, in the sense that we now know who the character is and why they did it, but yeah. not that they should have been there doing it. Exactly. So they have that, and here's the a big difference between your version and my version. Mm-hmm. So after this scene, well, actually, first what happens is the Night Butcha <laughs> uh, puts on paint <laughs> again, and it's just the same scene from the beginning. But then yeah. Craig continues to explain the story. So immediately in my version after this, they cut to Gina saying, and what were we doing? And he says, we were making love. That's what we're doing. There's no Mm -hmm. context. He just immediately comes out. We haven't seen them enter the the party yet. They just cut to the party and they are talking about them fucking in your version. they dance and then they talk about it for a little bit and stuff happens. Mm -hmm. It came out of left field for me.
1: Yeah, I mean, I will say, honestly, you're not missing much by not seeing the party scene. No, <laughs> no, it's you're It's kind not. of nothing. No, what
0: you do miss, though, well, no, I mean, I get this part, too, is Mitch and Craig arrive, and Craig asserts that he's the king of cool.
1: Mm-hmm. I do want to highlight that the two of them take Craig's very cool a uh, late 80s C4 Corvette, and it's a really cool car. It is a really cool looking car, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's, I couldn't tell you the exact year, but it's got to be somewhere between 85 and 88 uh, C4 Corvette. Highlight of this episode, not really. Uh, I mean, a little bit, just by virtue of everything else in this episode. <laughs> so, Gina
0: says there's been a misunderstanding, and Eddie is like, yeah, duh. Uh, mm mm-hmm. And then Craig confronts the senator and tells him about all the dead people. And Craig Mm -hmm. calls him scum to his face. And the senator threatens him. But then the (laughs) jaw appears and shoots a plate of shrimp. He just starts shooting a plate of shrimp. He shoots another thing, but he shoots the shrimp. How could you do that? People are trying to eat the shrimp. Shrimp is amazing. Why would you do that? Oh, Uh, and then he takes Gina away.
1: I couldn't tell during this scene whether there were multiple people dressed up as the night puncher. Yes. So I had to rewatch this
0: four times to get that it is just one guy.
1: Okay, I'm glad it's not just me because it did not make sense for it to be only one person. But it also didn't make sense for it to be multiple people. And I think what we're saying is that this episode is badly written. <laughs> well, it's
0: not just badly written. In this one, it's badly shot. Uh, it's very badly shot because what happens is there's a guy with clearly one. Then he comes out with a different amount of applied makeup and runs yeah. in a direction that he should have just walked backwards instead of running around the maze of this hotel. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's 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 badly directed.
1: Yeah, it's a to re-reference uh, Christopher Nolan again it's a much worse version of the opening to Dark Knight Rises where everyone's painted with Joker makeup except it's actually only one person in this case and it's Baywatch would the
0: Dark Knight have been even better if instead of the Joker it was the Night Puncher yes okay. hundred <laughs> percent good hundred. it's just a glass not just me yeah oh yeah oh god I want to see that now Yeah, the best part is that the Night Puncher is also wearing Chuck Taylors um, (laughs) and jeans and and like a like a long jacket. So Mm -hmm. he's just going for a
1: vibe. Oh, yeah. Uh, Next we get, like you said, uh, the Night Puncher grabs Gina and pulls her into a storm drain. And then we begin a very long and very slow chase where everyone is moving at slightly below walking speed for the entire thing. It's so boring, and I don't understand why it was like four minutes long. I don't either. Um, The Night Puncher uh, pulls Gina out of the storm drain into a boat graveyard, and then Craig and Mitch show up again and... Then we keep cutting back and forth. It's very hard to describe because I don't know the words. I don't know terms
0: like there's a wheel that has that keeps the boat in place. Yeah, they shoot the wheel and the boat moves along like a dolly and then falls off the harbor. It's very like it's not even like I just wrote. What is this?
1: (laughs) yeah. And this scene, again, it goes on forever. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, it basically ends with like Gina yells, hey, and this causes the night puncher to shoot a magical boat delivery wheel. And so Craig climbs onto the side of the boat and then they all spend like a solid minute uh, slowly watching the boat slide along a track as it heads towards Uh. the water. And then all three of them stand on the front of the boat for some reason. And then they all fall in the water. And then Mitch jumps in and captures the Night Puncher and Craig rescues Gina. And somehow the Night Puncher's face paint looks fucking immaculate despite being underwater. It's an oil paint. Yeah, it just. He, he goes around
0: in his day to day life dressed like that. So it's, <laughs> it's okay that it has oil paint. It just doesn't come off. Yeah. One of my favorite super side story is mm-hmm. uh so one year for Halloween, uh my ex decided she wanted to um dress up as this Pro Wrestler who uh puts on this face paint uh or full body paint. He does like a body spray of a demon that has like like it's it's like Venom where so he has like the long tongue and teeth, but like his face is done up like the Venom mouth. And he has this like demonic heart and it's really cool looking. Uh, I mean, he has like professional do it, but she was like, I'm going to do this like body paint and put that on, put it on. It looked really cool. Like we tweeted the wrestler and he was like, oh, retweet. Uh And then we were going to go to bed like we had a Halloween party. It was over. And she's like, babe, I can't get the paint off. And I was like, what? Oh, no. <laughs> and she's like, it doesn't come off with water. Oh, shit. It's oil paint. And I was like, oh, God. oh, no. So she's trying to rub this paint off. And like, you can't see that her skin is red because there's all this black paint. But her skin <laughs> is red. Uh, yeah. And so she went to bed, just stuck in this body paint looking like a demon or looking like the night puncher without a skeleton (laughs) Uh, that's legit what it looked like i will show you a picture later it's hilarious uh yeah and it took three days of holy shit like doing like over and over like rubbing to get that to get that out uh and i can't imagine what it's like for the night puncher who lives this in his existence uh, yeah. Because he has no backstory other than the next scene in which mm-hmm. we learn that the night <laughs> is the son of a character we never met, explained via dialogue in the last maybe five minutes. And we only know yep. who she was because of a crazy Craig Grant when they realized they didn't have enough time left in the episode to wrap up the plot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Mitch is like, hmm,
1: okay. <laughs> He's also somehow related to Senator Hastings. Like, right. he has the same last name, and I wasn't clear if it was his son, brother, nephew. Doesn't matter. Point is, he was going to get an inheritance,
0: and if mm-hmm. he kills. He then gets inheritance. But also, like, his mom's body was buried under where the hotel is. Yeah. It, <laughs> it's, it, it's
1: such nonsense. It, it's absolute
0: nonsense. Uh, what's more important is that Eddie and Gina then talk it out. Um, and Eddie explains everything. And Gina, Gina says something along the lines of, if you think that happened, okay, I'm pretty fuzzy and you took painkillers,
1: oh, which, uh, what? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have this exact line because it made me angry. Yes. Um, yes. Which is, you've got a really good imagination, but I'm glad you don't sleepwalk. Yeah. says uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, she, she thinks it's sweet. Also, yeah. it's just like, and she, she kisses
0: him on the cheek again. What is so she's like, hey, I'm glad you are basically jerking off to me. I think it's very sweet. Yeah, I'm just glad you didn't actually try to assault me. But here I'm going to reward you by continuing to treat you like a mother. It's so it, it's tone deaf in that it switches yeah. tone multiple times within one minute. yeah.
1: The, the the fact of her being like a little bit flattered that Eddie had a crush on her or whatever. Sure. Doesn't feel as terrible to me as the line, you've got a really good imagination, but I'm glad you don't sleepwalk because what the fuck is the implication of that line? Is it what I think it is? Because I don't like that. That's what I took it as too. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, yeah.
0: Like, it really makes her come off ditzy also yeah really weird uh i i don't i don't like i don't like it uh yeah but then we get the ultimate line which is garner sure do i was so sure when i first watched it i was like this must be an edit of my version morgan's version must have more but nope Nope. Gardner walks by and says, you guys can't just can't get enough of the wet stuff, can you? And that's where really end of the episode.
1: I, I've got the full line, in fact, oh, yes, please, um, please. because I think it is a perfect metaphor for this entire episode, um, which is Gardner walks up and goes hmm, climbing through sewers, jumping off piers into disgusting polluted sludge. You guys just can't get enough of the wet stuff, can you? And laughs. And then the episode's over like it's it's super abrupt and very clear that they just ran out of time, yeah, but uh jumping off piers into disgusting polluted sludge is how I would describe watching this episode. <laughs>
0: so what would you just what number rating would you ascribe that
1: to? Oh man. See, this is a tricky one for me because I did enjoy watching the episode, but not for the reasons that I think the episode wanted me to enjoy watching it agreed um. I would give this, I would give this like a six. If it wasn't so enjoyably bad, it would be more like a three. But the fact that it's so dumb and so weird brings it up to like a six for me. How about you? I'm going to give
0: it two different ratings. So okay. for fun, I'm going to give it an eight out of ten. And All that, right. that for, for the funness of it. And an eight out of ten, I would say, is probably either having butter rubbed on your foot or uh no nah, it's french
1: butter being rubbed on your foot wait so hang on i want to interrogate this for a moment you think that having butter rubbed on your foot is a not perfect experience but but getting there it's just a massage
0: <laughs> it's just a foot massage, but also it's just like oh, or well, like warm butter. You're just like oh, it's warm. Okay, just just think of it as any other product you put on your foot, but also it's highly caloric. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. Just think of it like that. Now that's the fun rating in terms of quality. Now remember, our official rating scale is mm-hmm. a one. Is you're taking a walk on the beach and you step in some mud. And there's a twig under uh, under you and it stabs your foot and a 10 is sniffing Mitch's abs. Mm -hmm. So I would rate the quality of this episode a two And a two Mm -hmm. is you're walking on the beach and you think you stepped on a twig, but it's actually just some wrapper. And so it's not as bad, but you're still like, "Uh, get this off my foot. Yeah. It's like, holy nothing. Uh, but yeah, still mildly an inconvenience. Uh, yeah, this was in qu- terms of quality. Somehow this was worse than the episode with the kids getting stuck in the storm drain. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is by far quality wise, the worst episode of Baywatch. Yeah. Uh, and it made no sense, I especially at the part where Craig does his massive Neil Stevenson esque dialogue dump (laughs) is the part where I just could not deal with it anymore. Uh, I was like, "This is." I'm not going to even write notes about what he's going on about. I'm, I'm just done. I can't try and make sense of this. Um, Then also, they do so much damage to Gina's character, to Eddie's character, who's already damaged. So fuck him. To Shawnee's character, (laughs) Uh, Jill comes out looking strong, I guess, and Trevor. Great job, Trevor. You didn't fuck it up uh, yeah. at Mitch's character. They ruin Craig. I already don't like Craig anyways. Like he's one of my least favorite characters. Um, so, yeah, it's just not a good episode. I'm hoping next episode is a lot better. Um, yeah. Which uh, if you don't have any more thoughts, I'd like to read the plot description for the next. episode. Yeah.
1: I mean, my my last remaining thoughts is just to echo a lot of what you said, which is basically like. We'd been on such a high, like the last couple episodes had actually been pretty good for the most part. And this was uh, this was not this was not one of those really good episodes. But, you know, honestly, it was still fun to watch. And if this is what bad episodes of the show look like, all right, I can tolerate it. But yeah, Michael, you want to you want to take us through the plot of the next uh, the next episode?
0: So I want to read from now on IMDb and the Baywatch wiki have very different um, episode descriptions. And I want to read each one uh, because they give us they're short, but they both give us a little bit of an idea of what's going to happen. So this next episode is called Shelter Me. And the IMDb description is during a violent tropical storm two escape convicts, shoot Garner and leave him to die. They then break into the Baywatch headquarters and take everyone there hostage. Captain Thorpe tries out for a radio surf reporter. (laughs) (laughs) Very Uh... odd. Now, the Baywatch wiki says an approaching tropical storm has the Baywatch lifeguards preparing for its effects. But the presence of two wanted criminals cause unforeseen events. Eddie and Shawnee rest. Hobie and a girl have storm parties. (laughs) <laughs> so yeah it sounds like we're in for quite the dramatic episode but also captain thorpe being a radio surf personality watch out zoomer Boy. sorry boomer well he's he's more than <laughs> boomer he's older than boomer is he i have no idea wait wait captain thorpe is played by monty markham who is born in
1: 1935. And uh, yeah, that's greatest generation, right? <laughs> wait, let's check. <laughs> this is the content that people tune in for.
0: Okay, wait. <laughs> let's see. So, boomer ah, uh, no. No, it's not. So, 1928 to 1945 is the silent generation. Slash silent generation. The lucky few. Uh, The greatest generation slash the G.I. was 1901 to 27. And before that, we had the lost generation. Um, Now, I like the fact that after Zoomers, we have our next one, which is early 2010s, to mid 2020s, which is called Generation Alpha. Uh, Yeah, right. That's such a good sci fi name. I know. Well, Generation X was the coolest because Generation X is also the Billy Idol band. Uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, you can't beat Generation Alpha. Yeah. Uh, now, Monty Markham is actually still alive and he's 85 years old. Wow. Uh, which is Good for him. Yeah, pretty crazy. He's really just a Broadway actor. Like he's just huge on the Broadway scene, but also he would he go on to be in a lot of murder. She wrote he would be in Golden Girls. He would be in Deep Space Nine. He would be in Fringe. He would wow. be in Melrose Place. He was in the A-Team. He was in the Love Boat. He was in Dallas. He was in Hawaii Five-0. He was in the Incredible Hulk TV show. He was in the Six Million Dollar Man, the Invisible Man. He was in the Mary Tyler Moore show. He was in Hogan's Heroes. He was in Mr. Deeds Goes to Town, the TV series. He was in the 1966 Mission Impossible. Yeah, I mean, and he was in a bunch of movies also. Ah, uh, none of which are really that important. Um, but yeah, he's also just really into Broadway.
1: Him being a Broadway actor makes a lot of sense to me because his a lot of his performances do feel very like big and theatrical to me.
0: Yeah, well, they say his first Broadway like big role was he played Horatio in Hamlet. Um,
1: okay, yeah,
0: yeah, in, in back in nineteen sixty one. Wow. But yeah, he's just been in everything. Uh, He also narrates documentaries on the History Channel, specifically the great ships, air combat and combat at sea. Oh, boy. Yep. Uh, So, yeah, he's just done everything. I mean, he's
1: he's not a bad actor. Like,
0: no, he's not a bad actor he's just very much a theater actor on this oh, yeah. crazy lifeguard show from 1989 yeah so yeah I, I feel like this episode was kind of a downer i hope next episode is better um mm-hmm. especially as you know we get deeper and deeper into the show um you know we're starting to realize that we really do enjoy the show and we're kind of invested in seeing it do yeah. well which is a problem because this is you know episode 10 of our podcast and there are still about 264 episodes left to go oh <laughs> uh,
1: boy yes there he is
0: we have so much time to be disappointed um also i'd like to bring up there was an article recently uh, in in baywatch news around the world um uh, This uh this is not really a spoiler for later on because it's so nothing. Um but someone wrote about how famous baseball player Mike Piazza appears in an episode and hangs out with Pamela Anderson and then gets to team up with Pamela Anderson to save a a drowner like a drowning woman who happened to be Mike Piazza's girlfriend at the time. But just (laughs) like how in the nineties you could just randomly appear on Baywatch And it was like the coolest thing because a billion people watched Baywatch Uh, Mm -hmm. and it still blows my mind that this show, this show was popular Uh, because this show is right now made for people like you and I who love watching campy bad shit Mm -hmm. Uh, that is sometimes good. Uh, And it's not. Yeah, it's just very different from that. I guess. I don't know. Yeah.
1: I'm, I'm so curious to see what this show evolves into over the next 200 some odd episodes, because I just can't imagine that this show as it is would get as big as it did. And I, I don't understand how you get from here to there, but I'm sure we'll find out. Once Pam Anderson gets in,
0: oh boy, you know, that whole Pam Anderson sex tape really helps the popularity take off. Yeah, but yeah, Morgan, I think that's our episode.
1: Yeah, I think that'll about do us do it for us this week. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Baywatch Rookie School. If you want to find us on Twitter, our show handle is at Rookie School Pod. I'm at Morgan P. Thrap. And I'm
0: at Snot snot-snit, S-N-O-T-S-N-I-T. We'll see you next
1: week. And just remember, hips, lips. Fingertips and Night Puncher. Eh, well actually. <laughs> maybe.
0: Dot, dot, dot. Yeah.
1: God, I hope the Night Puncher becomes a recurring character. He won't. I know, but but a guy's got a dream, as we learned during this episode.
0: <laughs> no, end it now. End it now. <laughs>